are live with Kirsten Greggs. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Welcome to LinkedIn Live with Jack Kelly. Yes, thank you for having me, Jack. I, I always enjoy not only talking to you, but being on this side of the mic and not being the one that's responsible for driving the conversation and asking the questions. So, so you like it on the other side where I, like I can on, ask you the questions? I like it on this side too, okay. <laughs> but right. I don't get to do this as much as I used to. So, Well, cool. So maybe we could start off and you could tell a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. I am Kirsten Greggs. I have been in talent acquisition for 23 years. Uh, I'm a consultant um, and I go by trap recruiter, which means trust, relationship building, accountability, and a proactive approach. Wait a minute. I thought that was a music term. I'm confused now. It's, it's a music term, but it's also an acronym. So it's just my okay. philosophy on how I like to do recruiting. And like I said, I like to bridge the gap between job seekers and employers, especially those from historically excluded and marginalized communities. And, and I understand right now you're in between roles, right? So you're a talent yes. acquisition professional, but at the same time, you're keeping your eyes open. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I got to tell you, I really applaud that because I can tell you from just a guy's point of view, if you haven't noticed, guys have big egos and they, and they wrap themselves up in the identity of their job and career. And yeah. if they are in between roles, oftentimes they don't tell anybody and they don't tell anybody, how can anyone help you? So I really love the fact that you're coming on the show and being forthright and saying, hey, I'm, I'm also looking. So how, um, how is the search going? How is if you as a talent acquisition person looking around? Yeah, that's always a difficult point, a difficult spot to be in. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the first time, well, not the first time, but the last time I was laid off mm -hmm. uh, in 2016, right before I started Trap Recruiter, I didn't tell people because I had gotten to a certain level of my career that People were coming to me for consultation. People were coming to me to advise. People were coming to me for strategy. And it did not feel authentic for me to offer people services when I wasn't employed. So when you said it's tied up in your identity, I think for myself and any other HR or TA folks who are experiencing a uh, job gap, there is a sense of like, is, am I good at my job? Like, how did I, how did this happen to me? Why, why am I in this situation? And then if it takes you longer than, you know, the 90 days that most people think it takes you to get a job, that is the average. But if it takes you six months, if you're working on month eight, or if you've had 10 interviews this month, or if you've had, you know, three rejections and you've gotten to the final round, in a certain number of interviews, like you start to feel like maybe you're not as good as as the uh, as other people are, or maybe you know you need to switch to do a different a different role inside of an organization. Maybe you don't need to be a recruiter anymore, because uh, there's that sense of, well, I'm a recruiter, so if I can't find a job, how can I help other people find a job? See, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you said that because you come across very confident. And just yeah. because maybe you're in between roles doesn't mean you lost all the experience you had for how many years did you say? 20 years? How, how, 23. How many? Yeah. But when, so I, yeah, when I was laid off, I was like at, at, at year 16, it was my second layoff. 
uh, I got laid off right after September 11th. And that's, I had just started recruiting, like I started recruiting in 2000. So I was in a company for nine months in a defense contract in company, as a matter of fact. And I got laid off after September 11th. Um, and that was difficult. Uh, but what I did was I went into a court, my next role, I went to a coordinator role in a very, very high case environment. Um, I had already come out, I'd already had agency experience. Then I had, you know, corporate experience. And then I took a job again, in what I call an in-between job while I was looking for another full-time recruiting role. And I worked as a recruiting coordinator and that got me to really fall in love with what goes into being a recruiter, like the support mm -hmm. that recruiters need to get their jobs done, the support that recruiters need to be effective, the support that recruiters need to offer a, a favorable candidate experience and uh, offer support to hiring managers and you know just being that, that go-between at times when the recruiter is not available, but they've got five other positions and you've got four hiring managers asking you for a status update and 27 uh, job seekers asking you for a status update that, that I got to be that person. And after that, um, you know, it, it was, it was all cool. And then I got laid off again. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's happening? Yeah, Why like, does everyone oh. hate me? Yeah. I was like, come on, like, what am I going to do? But at that point it was like, eh, I had, I had built up enough network that I could mm -hmm. like pick up the phone. People like, oh, you're available. Like, yeah, come on, like, come on over here. Um, but that time in 2016 was a little different for me. Um, some of it wasn't necessarily that I didn't think I was good at my job. I think I lost a bit of trust and a bit of hope in the people that I had, like I left a job to go to the job I was laid off from. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't tell me what was going on in the organization that they were about to divest that entire part of the company. So I kind of came in to fix the process and get them in compliance so that when they were ready to go to the board and be like, hey, look, you know, at least they're, they were services companies. So they're, so that everything looked right. Um, and I did that in a few months. <laughs> when that was it, like I was done. And I didn't know that that was, that's what was going to be the case. So I was like really angry. Um, and, and really down on myself, but people came to me, the few people that did know I was looking the time I was already blogging with, with performance. I create, uh, recruiter problems, memes, like people knew what that was. And again, the re the me being visible, people didn't know I was looking for a role. And then someone came to me about a job fair they were doing. They wanted a speaker to talk to the job seekers about ways to, to you know, be more attractive to the employers that were there. And I told them, I said, before I agree, we need to have a conversation. And I told them, I was like, you know, I'm out of work. And he was like, so, <laughs> you know, like, and that was like what really kind of got me to be like, you know what, it doesn't matter. Like you still have something to offer and you can still do this. So that's how Trap Recruiter came about. But the, the confidence comes, the confidence does 
eh, you know, <laughs> like the other Friday, yeah. I had like, I got like three, three rejections, like back to back, like bang, bang, bang. And I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm logging yeah. off. For the All right. So let's, so let's unpack some of this. Cause this is like really good stuff that, yeah. that you shared. No particular order. I'm embarrassed to say like, I was going to say for the audience, but I want to know for myself, really, okay. what's the difference between a talent acquisition person and a recruiter and an HR person? Okay. I mean, are they kind of sort of similar? It depends or so people understand, because I think also a lot of times people don't understand like what a recruiter does, whether it's like a contingent recruiter, you know, executive, yeah. you know, you know, search recruiter and so forth. So like talent acquisition, how do you like, how would you define that? Is that? So talent acquisition, I think of as the umbrella where we used to think of recruiters mm -hmm. being a part of HR, and they still are in some organizations. It right. just depends. In some organizations, the entirety of the talent acquisition department is under a, an HR umbrella. Mm -hmm. But just like there are other roles in human resources outside of a business partner, you know, compensation, benefits employee relations, compliance, there's other roles inside of talent acquisition as well. Every TA person is not a client facing or a full life cycle recruiter, meaning they're not the ones that are, take, that are taking the job orders, interfacing with the hiring manager, going out and getting candidates, bringing them back, putting out the offer and being responsible for guiding the, the person through the process. So there's, like I mentioned, talent acquisition coordinators, mm -hmm. those are your, your support team. Like we couldn't do our jobs if they weren't there. There's operations, which is where I've spent um, the end of like this, this half of my career has been in operations where I work with systems and processes and I do audits and I help folks with strategy. There's talent attraction, employer branding, there's still recruiters, there's sourcers that again are their entire like they're an entire different skill set. It takes an entirely different muscle to be just to be a source. I should say just a sourcer because I'm not trying to minimize what mm -hmm. they do. And I think a, a lot of times we have minimized that. We've looked at sourcing as like the step before becoming like a full, full-blown recruiter, but that's an entirely different muscle. Uh, and especially with all of the technology that we now have available to us, like sourcers kick butt, like a hundred percent. So there's other roles within TA that are not necessarily that forward-facing recruiter or that client-facing recruiter. Now that, that's really helpful. And to then fast forward to when you were talking about just recently that you had some back-to-back Hey, thank you, Kirsten, but we're going in a different direction. Thank you, but whatever it might be. And, you know, it's like, I'm just going to sleep. How do you, how do you deal either for yourself or would you like to share with people? What are some ways, because a lot of people going through this, they were laid off, they're in between jobs. They're worried about losing their jobs. How do you deal with that mindset with, with the emotional stress, you know, the mental health of somebody? just to keep going when you keep getting rejected, which is so hard to keep going when that happens. I don't take it personal, meaning mm -hmm. that it is personal, but it's not an indictment on how good I am. And I think, is this the cup I have? Yeah, so I didn't even realize it, but I have my no cup today. 
which means next opportunity. So every <laughs> every no gets yeah. me to my gets me closer to my next opportunity. Yes. Because if they don't tell me goodbye, I'm still sitting around waiting for the, you know, and and I may, you know, hold off on the number of other uh opportunities that I pursue. So it gets difficult. And like I said, like the other Friday was was hard for me. Um and I just knew like just take a rest, like take a break. So, so like you just walk, well, I'll tell you as a recruiter, first of all, number one, it's interesting that that's a kind of a mantra, you know, that, you know, for every no, it's one step closer to a yes. It's like one of those things that could kind of keep you motivated, motivated because like, okay, I called up, you know, three clients to get a job order. It didn't happen. The next one, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's going to happen. Then the next one's going to happen. And eventually it yeah. does happen if you keep trying. Similarly, it's the same thing with, looking for a job, eventually it'll happen. You just got to keep trying and trying and trying. Um, but what I find out is this, and I wonder if you see this as a talent acquisition person or even in yourself, is that when you go to interviews, they want to see you like upbeat, you know, it makes sense, upbeat, positive, motivated, excited, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's hard to do when like you get rejection after rejection after rejection. It's like super hard to do. Like, how do you turn that around and be authentic? Not like a fake, like, oh, hey, I'm happy. So like, again, you... just by virtue of my job, I have a lot of practice with that mm -hmm. because we recruiters, when you're client facing, mm -hmm. when you're a full life cycle recruiter, you're talking to people all day long. And some days you are not feeling it. Some days you are as Shally says, below the line, like I'm below mm -hmm. the line. Like, and if I cross it, somebody's going to get my goat, you know, <laughs> like that's, it's going to be a, going to be a difficult time. So there, I, I got into the practice of telling people, Hey, listen, I'm not necessarily going to cancel a phone screen. For example, if I'm, you know, on the, on the side of the recruiter, but I'm going to say, you know, please excuse me. Or, or if someone says like, if I get a sense that they're kind of, eh, you know, or a hiring manager I'm having a meeting with, I would say, listen, like I'm not having a good day, um, but I really do want to, you know, get through this and I want to, I want to give you the best I can. So I like that's that. The, that's all yeah. I can do. You, you, you want to hear a hack that I do? What's that? So let's say I'm just striking out because like with recruiting, yeah. You fail way more often than you succeed. I mean, just mm -hmm. that's that's just how it works because you could only have that one person who gets the job and you might have 10 other people who didn't get the job. So like oftentimes, you know, you're going to work really hard and not find it. So what I, what I do is I, I had this mental hack where I realize if I keep going right now, I'm just going to be like cranky and ornery and end up mm -hmm. getting into a fight and getting into an argument and losing my temper Cause you know, you know yourself, you know how it's like, and yeah. so I step away from the desk. Let's say this is pre COVID. Like you were, we were in, you know, the office and whatever, walk out of the office, go to the bathroom, put cold water on my face, maybe walk around the block and say to myself, whatever happened before is over. Doesn't exist. Never happened. It's done. It's in the past. Can't change the past. Yeah. Right. New starting fresh. And it sounds so hokey when I say it out loud. But it works. It's the weirdest thing because it's almost like you do a reboot where you're like, oh no, it's that's over with. I'm not gonna try to I'm not gonna ruminate over it. I'm not gonna obsess over it. Done. Nothing I could do about it. Well, but I can do something about the future. 
So yeah. that helps a lot. I don't, I, I think that's helpful for people to kind of find their own mantras, right? Their own like affirmations or manifestations to get that mindset when you're having trouble either looking for a job or even if you're not looking for a job, you're just in your company and you can't kind of break through and get to the next level, mm. right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I had, I had one of those moments even yesterday. Um, and I just, I, I, I talked to two people about what I was going through and they're just like, they were, they're like, take, they're like, step aside, like take a break. Yeah. And I knew I had to be on camera twice <laughs> yesterday, you know, but at the end of the day, because I reset and then I like, didn't come in with this like fake, everything's <laughs> great. You know, this like, yeah. Oh, I'm so awesome. And, and my shout out to my uh, my friend, Sarah Morgan. I think a lot of you guys know who she is, uh, the buzz on HR. She told me one day, because I kept, you know, trying to trick myself into being positive, like having a positive mindset. I'm like, don't think negative thoughts. So it's the opposite of that. It's positive thoughts. And she's yeah. like, there's such thing as neutral thoughts. She was like, your brain knows when you're lying to it. Your brain knows when you're not okay. So just be neutral. Like, what's the neutral thought for this? And you know, like, I love you. I love you, you said that because I don't know. Uh, there was some athlete who I sort of interviewed said that, and I never mm -hmm. thought of that before. It's like they they defaulted to I'm just going to be neutral. Yeah. I'm gonna, and and I never like, huh? What What are you talking about? And then as the as he was going through, just like you're saying, it's just like, all right, I don't have to go on this emotional roller coaster. Because yeah. with your career, whether a job, so you, you know, looking for a job, trying to get a promotion, you're on these crazy roller coasters all the time with your mm -hmm. emotions. So it's like, okay, let me just be neutral. Yeah. Don't get too crazy with the highs. Don't get too crazy with the lows. Just yeah, neutral. I call it shoots and ladders. I always say recruiting is like shoots and ladders. If it, you know, if you if you ever played that game as a yeah. as a kid. So in a, but in a way, you want to avoid those shoots. You want to just go like you straight can't. through. You no can't shoot. decide. The <laughs> dice, I mean, unless you're good at rolling the dice, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so so how does, you know, you brought something up. And we talked a little bit this before we went on air, mm -hmm. that you come across very happy, very confident. And is that sometimes a drawback? Because when people see somebody who come across mm -hmm. successful, they come across happy, put together, then people are like, oh, I don't have to help her. She's got it. You know, she's doing okay. And yet you need that help, but they're not helping because they think, oh, you got your act together. Now, is that a weird thing that happens to people? Is that a common occurrence? It happens, but I have learned to tell people when I need help. Yeah. And that's the most difficult thing for me is, is saying when I need help. Like I had a, again, I had a situation yesterday mm -hmm. and I reverted back to my old way, which was don't tell them that there was a problem until I've, I've already solved it. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that since childhood, according to my parents, like they never knew that I was in trouble. Um, but we always had like an open and honest relationship. So like, if I did something, I would come to them and tell them what I did and how I solved it instead of allowing them the space to guide me mm -hmm. to solve it, you know? So I, I did that again yesterday, but I was under a time crunch. So, but when it comes to like, when people reach out to me and like, even now, like I have a number of folks who I am helping 
um, get jobs or I have a number of folks, not for, formally and informally, you know, that all day long we're sharing the roles that we see come across that may or may not fit, or, you know, we're offering encouragement to one another or we're sharing their posts or we're doing all these things to make sure that people know. But it's just a matter of me being honest. You know, it's a matter of me saying, no, I'm not okay. Yes, I'm, I'm managing, but I'm, I, I would be better if right. this happened. Uh, and, and I think we were talking before, I was like, I, I don't know where that came from this shame, like you said, it was, it was ego, but like, why is it a shame to be looking for a job? Like, why do we feel shame for that? And I, I don't have the answer. I got, I got the answer. Can I give you the answer? My yeah. opinion? Yeah. It's like, it's like the, the way our society is, is constructed is built on, you have to be successful. You have to be a winner. You have to make a lot of money. You have to have the big house. You have to have the big expensive car. You have to take the really cool vacations. You know, you have to put your, your kids are going to the right universities. They, when they graduate, they go to the right schools. And there's so much societal pressure on it that you have to play this game. And people, you know, most people, not everyone play that game. And I think it really harms folks because you end up doing things that you shouldn't do. I can't tell you how many people in recruiting where they'll look for a job and we'll talk about salary and go, oh, I can't take this because, and that my nut is, and when they say nut, it's like they have finances, like, you know, the amount of money I'm spending on cars and this and nannies and mortgages, whatever is so high, I can't take that job. So it's like, you're playing this game, this ego game, and you can't get a certain job because you're so over leveraged. That's crazy. Mm. So like, I think people fall into this thing where, you know, you have to be, you always have to be, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. I'm and, not. <laughs> yeah. Right. And people don't say that. And more people should say that. Like, you know, like, Hey, no, I'm not really doing well. I could use some help. And see, I, I think that's what happens too often, you know? Yeah. Well, I, again, I love how everyone is sharing their, you know, their stories, um, especially on LinkedIn. Folks are saying, you know, here's who I am and here's what I'm looking for. You know, I was affected by a layoff or um, I'm moving to a new city, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but like I said, before we went live, you know, for every person who does that, there's four more who are ashamed and who yes. won't turn on that open to open to work banner, who won't, for whatever reason, you know, who, who won't, um, reach out or maybe they don't know how. See, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. So I'm glad that like, thanks for leading into it. What would you suggest? If we don't have an answer, we can maybe work it through. Like, what can people say when they need the help, but like they're a normal person. They're a little scared to ask for help. They're worried, you know, they, they're, they're shamed. They feel weird. Like, what can you do to tap into your network, friends, colleagues, coworkers, past coworkers to say, Hey, I need help. Like, or is that what you just do? Simple Start as that. with the people that you, that you're closest to and that you okay. trust the most. And in a lot of instances, they will advocate for you. I see those posts every day too, where it's a recruiter or it's a, you know, a software engineer that's like, hey, I used to work with uh, Jack Kelly and 
they're an awesome engineer. Here are, you know, their thing. If you see any jobs in this, 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 and this, please share, you know, like people that do have a, a larger network or that are more connected to the right people are, are doing that as well. But for folks who don't have that big of a network, start close, start close, and, and then it'll start to grow. And then what, so you just would go and reach out to somebody, reach maybe out online, to, reach out and, to someone and say, Hey, I could use some help. I'm looking. And one of the things I'm curious how you feel this, when you have those banners out there, you know, the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. open to work, it's, it's fine. But sometimes to me, it's frustrating because they don't say what they want to do or like yeah. how we could help. So then it's like, I feel like I would help, but I don't even know what you do. I don't know what you're looking to do. Yeah. Or, or that the, the old I'm open to anything. I'm yeah. Like, That's not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Are you really? No. So, so maybe you should, if someone has those banners, whatever, to be very specific, right? Like mm -hmm. what, how you could help me like, Hey, this is Jack. This is Kirsten. Here's how you can help me. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm looking to do one, two, and three. And yep. here's the companies I'm interested in. Do you know anybody? So I guess to be very specific about the ask. Be specific, that... be as specific as you can be about the ask. Like I said, again, some people don't always know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know folks that are in transition and wanting to go from one job to an entirely different field, industry, and role. And they have the transferable skills, but they don't necessarily know how to show that they can apply them in, the, in a new way. See, that's a great topic because I, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Okay. There's a big push, particularly on LinkedIn, that say hire for skills. And that sounds nice, right? Sounds so nice. Hey, skills, crossover skills. But what I find out as a recruiter, if somebody may have skills, but it's not in that sector, there's not a lot of interest. So it almost is worse for people because then like, wait, you keep telling me they're hiring for skills, but I have the skills, but I don't have the industry experience. So they don't want to do it. Yeah. What do you see with that? Like, is that, it am I missing something? Me. No, it definitely happened to me. Um, there was a time where recruiters, regardless of industry, folks started to realize that the way that um, third party or what we call, used to call agency recruiters, mm -hmm. the way that we were trained was like, Oh, that, those were going to be, you know, the, the recruiters that you wanted in corp in your corporate seats so that you didn't have to train them so that you didn't have to, you know, put, there wasn't a heavy lift of showing them how to read job postings, how to do an intake call with the hiring manager, how to negotiate a, an offer. Excuse me. So me having started in an, having started in an agency, like I had that tick, but me coming from the defense and intel industry you know working with highly cleared people it was it was hard like it was very difficult for me to get an amazon or a, a google or you know a high tech company to even look at me because they didn't understand like they saw like in their mind they they saw that i hired people with security clearances but didn't realize that like i did a huge project where we brought in the whole um IT department back into the company I was working for like and I went on the road and like did a whole like did a whole thing like service delivery all like all stuff that you do in your organization you know I've done executive recruiting I had done executive recruiting I had done 
um, a great deal of IT and cybersecurity recruiting, the only differentiator was that my folks also had to have a security clearance of some, of some sort, but they, they couldn't see how, how, that, how that crossed over. Now, I'm not going to say that there's always a, a um, you know, there's like any recruiter can do anything because there are some that do specialize in certain things. And I can understand how a healthcare recruiter might, how, how a healthcare company uh, specifically may lean more to wanting to look at healthcare recruiters mm -hmm. or folks that have an, a, a background in that because they know the language, um, they probably already have an established network, they know where to look. Um, you know, they, they just, they know the nuances and the ins and outs of that, but that's not to say that someone who's coming from tech can't learn how to do that job and that, or that, that learning curve is going to be extremely steep. Cause a lot of times it's not, it's just a matter of like learning how to do it that way. So what do you think, do you think maybe though, if someone's really keen on pivoting to a different industry, a different sector to try to fashion a way to say, here's how my skills cross over, but then maybe take some online courses or maybe go back to Absolutely. school for something or get a, a license or accreditation. Is that maybe helpful? It's absolutely helpful. I saw a story on, what do you call it now? X? <laughs> yes. yes. I saw, I yeah. saw a X post. I don't yeah. know what they're called now, <laughs> but it was a series of, and, and yeah. this person was talking about, they wanted a certain type of job and mm -hmm. spent the time like doing research, learning what it took to do that job do it all this like and they had like gotten a few interviews at first but they kept getting turned down so they were like okay what what am i missing what do i need to do and they spent a time like a few months just learning learning the job that they wanted learning the role getting the certs getting the industry experiences like knowing who the even knowing who their competitor who that company's competitors were and doing all that so it's just a, it takes time like you're it's it, like none of this stuff happens overnight and the times that it does, those are the ones that we talk about, you know, mm -hmm. like these overnight success stories are the ones that we're most excited about, but those are not the state, like those are the exceptions. Like those things are not the rules. Right. It's so rare, right? The Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. the Elon Musk's, those are the point. Oh, 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 one percent, you know, it's like so yeah. rare. And then like, I, I, I tell people, you know, that who get frustrated with it, it's, it's so, it's not a science. That's what I think frustrates a lot of people. It's not math. It's not like you do one and one is two. It's like, you could be the best person you went to Yale and Harvard and all this stuff, but you're still knocking your head against the wall to find the right thing. And then some other person just falls into a job just like that. And it's, that's also, I think what drives people nuts is that yeah. there's, it's not like, Hey, if I do this is exactly going to work. No, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You have to be in the right place, the right time, be a little lucky, you know, have everything aligned. So it's, I think that adds to that frustration too. What, what do you think? Oh, it does. And what's that quote? Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. Yeah. It's so and that's, true. That's another thing that, you know, I still work on. But when I, when I see myself, I wonder like, well, this person sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, How did they get in that role? That like, should be me. Like, you're a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's so true. See, it's one of those things that everyone thinks about. You don't want to say it out loud, but the only thing is like, what? That should yes. be my life. I don't understand exactly. how this yeah. happened. Don't do that to yourself. Like, and when you do be like, oh, you know what? Wrong. Because it's someone that's, because I, I, I promise you, there's someone that thinks that about you too. <laughs> you, all right. All right. Can, I, can I get a little dark here for a minute? Always. Sometimes if you look at, and this is really weird. If you look at very famous, wealthy, successful people, oftentimes they have great tragedies in their families. Like, I don't want to get all dark and whatever, but like now they mentioned, if you ever Google it, you'll see it's really weird how that, you know, because you look at these people like, oh, they have everything. Look, the big mansion. And, yeah. and then you like, like, then if you learn about really what's going on behind the scenes, you're like, yikes, I wouldn't trade yeah. this for like, wow, this is, yeah, really bad stuff. You know, deaths in the family, you know, kids on drugs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're people too. I think everyone has their stuff and we don't realize that mm -hmm. other folks are, are going through things too. And I think that sometimes clouds our judgment, especially in the age of social media where we tend to only amplify the good, where we tend to only highlight, you know, the things that we consider great or that we think are going to are be celebrated. I mean, you know me, um, I've got on my business mullet right now, but <laughs> but I, I I have on Crocs. Um, my feet are perched on my uh, elliptical, like my under desk elliptical. Um, I don't. I have my background on because I need to clean up my office. Like there's yeah. stuff going. Like there's stuff going. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. Like the mask is on. So yeah, how how good would it be if you didn't have to do all that, right? I got yeah, we, there briefly during the yeah. pandemic where, uh, and I think I was talking, I think one day I was on with you and Mark mm -hmm. and I was just looking raggedy. Like. Well, that's what, like, that's why I was before the show, I'll give a little insight here. I was putting on trap music because <laughs> you and Mark were making fun of me because I didn't know what trap music was. So I purposely was listening to trap music. So this time around, I would be more, you know, familiar with it. Yeah, but I didn't even like wear like a graphic tee or anything. I put on a blazer and some jewelry and, you know, so I, I didn't know what we, I didn't know I was getting myself into, but yeah. I'm, I'm liking the, um, the, the, the Mark Zuckerberg black t-shirt situation you got going on. It's so easy for guys. See guys, it's easy. We have uniforms. You, know, you have like the t-shirt and jeans. If you're a podcaster, right? That's the uniform. Okay. You have the t-shirt and jeans. If Back in the day, when you go to the office, you have a blue suit, white shirt, like, you know, blue tie. Boom. Yeah. That's it. No thought involved. Easy yeah. peasy. That's it. So, hey, let me ask on a macro level, what are you seeing in talent acquisition now? Because mm. HR, talent acquisition, recruiters, they're the canaries in the coal mine because they see what's going on first, you know, because both good and bad, because when they're hiring, they see the hiring. When layoffs, they see the layoffs. A lot yep. of times the recruiters, talent acquisition, HR get laid off first because yep. you know there's no business what uh, among your peers like what do you what's the buzz what are you seeing hiring no hiring what's going on it's not as robust as it was mm -hmm. this time last september i don't think and when i did see that uptick in recruiters and hr people getting laid off especially some that had been like 
like not individual contributors, mm-hmm. like director level, vice president level, and their entire departments getting cut. That says to me that the staffing plan into the next two quarters is not looking good. Like they don't think there's going to be a lot of hiring coming up. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I really, I, I've, I've learned not to make too many predictions mm-hmm. um, given what we've gone through for the past almost three years, but I don't see as big of a September surge as I have in, in the past of folks getting ready to up, getting ready to hire people, you know, for the holiday season and things like that. Maybe, maybe some things will come through, maybe more things will come through in January. Maybe January will be, you know, an even bigger month than it normally is. January is a, is a good time to, to look for jobs as well, because people that, um, who's, who's, uh, waiting for their annual bonuses mm-hmm. that they get in December, they'll stay until they get their bonus and then they don't come back the next year. So then the, you know, rolls open or again, people are looking to make up in September. That's usually the month folks really want folks to really want to start looking for jobs because that's usually like, we're trying to get to the end of the year. We've got all, you know, the rest of this money to spend. We've got some projects to do. We, you know, we might bring on some contractors for, cause we know that people are going to be going on leave and, you know, things like that or to pick up, you know, the slack or the, the input, or we see the uptick in work that needs to be done. But I'm just not seeing as much of it as I, mm-hmm. as I was. What I am seeing though, and I'm actually surprised given the fact that, that, this, like, that multiple studies have been done now with this return to office uh, for roles that, don't, that, that, were, that were done remotely and done remotely well. Um, and like looking at places like Wells Fargo that laid off folks who, who were not, who were working remotely for years, even before the pandemic, um, been with the company 20, 30 years, like laid them off because they didn't live a commutable distance to one of the offices. Like that's in, like, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Or they're saying, oh, remote work, but you have to live in this state or you have to live within 50 miles or, you, you know, you have to come in two days a week like for what we've been doing the job and I'm seeing a lot of those and I'm seeing a lot of roles opening up in areas where I'm like they don't have enough people there's not enough available talent in this in this industry or in this role to to fill these jobs like somebody's gonna have to move so so what I'm hearing is like we're among your cohorts it seems a little slow there's Mm -hmm. not a, a big appetite to hire and because of that, it sounds like for, tell me if this makes sense then. Do you think for the people watching this now and who watch it on replay, maybe they should tailor the way they're looking and say, hey, let's say they they have a job and, you know, but they were open to looking. Would it then make sense for them to maybe hyper-focus on their own job within the organization for the short term to play it safe and try to grow internally if there's not those external roles. I don't want to, I don't want to tell people not to, not to get the, not to go after the job Mm -hmm. that they desire or the career they desire. Absolutely do that. Um, I don't think you should have to wait or, or feel a type of way. And and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a a whole other 
part of this, you know, while I do know a great deal of people who've been laid off, I also know a lot of people who stayed and they're, they're overloaded, you know, like they have a lot of work to do and the hiring may be slowing because they just don't have the bandwidth, you know, the hiring may be slowing because they're tired and they're burnt out and they don't have enough, but there's, it's, it becomes a, an issue. Like, I don't, I never understood why you would lay off an entire, um, recruiting department just to bring them back or a recruit entire HR department just to bring them back a four or five months later after you've you know after your staff has made its bonuses you know or after mm-hmm. you've gotten your your numbers to look the way that you want them to look uh, just to bring them back and then have to spend that time again searching for them and interviewing and these are the people that you laid off like so what do you do? So it sounds like a couple of things. One, from what we're saying, it, still keep looking for a job, even if it's mm-hmm. slow moving, to yes. maybe hedge your bets. So you could do both, try to grow internally, but simultaneously conduct a bit of a stealth search because you don't want to lose your job, but do a self stealth search, checking in with recruiters, with your network to see what's out there. So this way you kind of have two things going on, you know, it's holding on to your job. But then yeah. keeping for something else. It's always easier to find yeah. a job when you already have a job. Yeah. And did you, are you seeing any trends? Because a lot of times what happens too is instead of hiring full-time permanent people, they rely on gig, contract, temp. Are you seeing talent acquisition, more of that happening now? No, I'm actually seeing more. I, I'm because, you know, I would prefer a, a contract or a gig mm-hmm. position, um, but I'm actually seeing more full-time roles. Oh, really? actually, Okay. In recruiting. That's interesting because usually, like I say, like if things are getting a little like belt tightening, they rather use the contracts because like what you said, so then they could just let go of them and say, all right, we'll let go. And then if we need them, we'll bring them back again. So that's kind of a positive sign though. That's to me, that's positive that they're doing the full-time permanent because that's, you know, because then if you leave, it's severance, it's more of a hassle than a contract. So that's kind of good. I'm trying to find the good news in here. Yeah, (laughs) no, there's there's good, like I don't, think everything's daunting like I said but I don't think it I don't think things are as Mm -hmm. robust as 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 some people would like to pretend they are um you know I have my days where I have to log out completely like not go on any of the apps because if I see oh the economy is doing so great we added this many jobs I'm like no you didn't stop saying that like (laughs) like data like stop lying on the data like why do you say that I'm curious because a lot of the a lot of the jobs that they were accounting for were recovery and especially in June, um, like they had to go back and redo it. Like this is act like this is the actual number, and it was significantly less than what they originally said. Um, so, and unemployment too. Like those unemployment numbers are are a little. They're while they're true, they don't tell the whole story. I'm because- so glad you say that because I'm like that guy, that old man who's shaking his fist at the clouds saying, <laughs> ah, this is, this is not right. This is not true. Yeah. Seriously, it drives me up a wall because I agree with you. I'll give you a couple examples. Now, this is going to be really boring for everybody. So you can take a nap while I say this, but it's important because it helps out to, to Kirsten's point. I'll give you one example. The, they have something called a birth death model. Oh, and And it's not like people, you know, babies getting birth. 
they say, okay, that means how many companies were started and how, and then how many people work in those companies, but they're not based on any real people. It's a model. Oh. So if it's a model, they can tweak it any way they want, which is that's like, so you're just making up numbers. It's the craziest thing. And so that what happens is like, who knows if that's true? And then they have adjustments for seasonality. Oh, it's yeah. this holiday season. So we're going to change it. But again, not real numbers. It's just a model, which is how do you do that? Then you have this thing also called the household survey, okay. which you have one where companies self-report how many people got new jobs, but then also the government will call you or me up and say, hey, are you working? If so, how much have you worked? Oh, and they so call me. Never. I don't know anybody <laughs> who ever got a call. So oh. they rely on that, right? And who in their right mind is going to pick up? First of all, not many people have a landline. So yeah. like, how are you going to call? And then who, like, if you get someone from, hi, I'm Jack from the government. Can you tell me your social security number? Where do you work? How many hours did you work? How much you get paid? Who's going to answer that? So like, there's Older so people. many holes in there. Like, so, and I think what, what gets me, and I, I think we're on the same page here, that it frustrates people because, you know, they act like it's so great. And then if you can't find a job, they're like, what's wrong with me? And their family and friends are like, what's wrong with you? The numbers are so great. There's so many jobs added because that's the narrative, but that's not true. So it makes it's people not. feel worse Yeah. because like, because if it's, if it was bad, then everyone could say, oh yeah, it's really bad. So that's why you're not getting a job, but it's really good. So something must be wrong with you and me because we're not getting it. And that's, yeah. that to me is really problematic because it hurts the self-esteem of people, the confidence of people. Yeah. I, there was, um, what is this? Today's Thursday, right? So I was looking at my Facebook memories and I actually had a post that said something like, there's jobs out there, people are hiring. And then I showed the sign, I showed a sign that said hiring and it was like H-I-R-R-I-N-G. And I was like, the jobs they're talking about. <laughs> like it's like the ones that no one wants. <laughs> it's, it's, wait, but that's, see, that's yeah, what there's jobs, but are you going to work them? Probably the jobs, not. right. The jobs that are open are really the ones that people don't really want to take those jobs. You know, they're, they're not really good jobs. And then also they don't get paid well. They're not good jobs. And then people having two, three jobs. This is what's weird yes. too. They'll, they'll say like, look at all these job numbers. Well, it's like, you know, these, these people with low wage workers can't run a household by just one job. So they have to have three or four Multiple. gigs mm -hmm. and that, but they don't report that, which again, is so frustrating, misleading to people or people that you know, the unemployment numbers go by who's receiving unemployment. What about mm -hmm. all the people that no longer eligible for unemployment Ex or who were never eligible yes. because they had gig jobs? Like mm -hmm. you said, you know, they worked at place, they, they worked at Uber, they worked at Lyft, uh, DoorDash, you know, doing these things. And maybe they didn't earn, you know, save enough in their unemployment, you know, or, or in their contract where they could even uh, um, qualify for unemployment. So <sighs> but this is good because I think stuff like this, think about it. You don't see this. And this is what drives me mad. Like you would think you would see this on, you know, CNN, CNBC, MSNB, like all, like they would talk about it and no one does. And it's really mm. devastating to the people who are trying to find jobs or can't advance because then they think it's them, but it's really, they're not getting the real story. So at least we can kind of share this stuff with people. So they, the light bulb could go on and go. Yeah. Oh, all right. 
I don't feel as bad. I might still be looking for a job, but I don't feel as bad now because now I realize, huh, this is what's really going on. And that's why it's so hard to find something because it's not as good as people are making it out to be. No, but thankfully it's not as, it's not as bad either. It's not as daunting as, as I can make it out to be on those bad days. Well, you know what? <laughs> when you, when you said you look back at that, like, you know, uh, it, you know, looking back at, uh, whatever with Facebook that you're seeing, I thought you were going to go back to like to 2020 where then that was nuts. We're like, you know, 20,000, you know, like just thousands and thousands of thousands of people yeah. getting laid off. That was just unbelievable. Yeah, no, that was. That's what I thought you were going to go to. I did a lot. Well, that was an entirely different situation. And like I said, I still think now um, it's because that was new. Mm-hmm. It left a lot of space. We were talking about it. Like a lot of people were were given a platform to share things, share their experiences, share their knowledge, um, share what's going on. But now we're kind of pretending like everything is back to normal, so to speak. But what does normal mean anymore? Like we never decided, and (laughs) we're not. So we're not talking about it anymore because, like you said, you know tens of thousands of people aren't getting laid off every day. Like a whole, like whole companies aren't shutting down mm-hmm. because they need their folks in house and the government says we can't go to work. Um, so that's not happening anymore, but there is a, a sense of like, like you said, like, well, where, where are all these jobs <laughs> and mm-hmm. why don't I have one of them? So what do you think for yourself? If you don't mind my asking, do you feel mm-hmm. that there is a good likelihood or this might take a really long time. Do you have any sense of um, how it's going? Yeah, I I don't really know. Um, I I can't say. I, I will say that I have that that I've not been looking for you know eight months like some people I know. Mm-hmm. I've not been looking for six months uh, like some people that I know. But the fact that like. I'm not getting close in the time mm-hmm. that I have been diligent and looking like, yeah, you know, I have to decide like, how much time are you really going to put into this until you just, de- till you decide to, you know, shift, do a different strategy, do something else. And I haven't figured that part out yet. You think some of the challenges are this, because I've never worked I always worked as a third party, you know, at, okay. you know, in my search firm. So I, I never worked at a company, you know, the companies would be my clients. They'd ask yes. to help. A couple of things I find out that I think mucks up the whole system is this, like one of the things there's hiring by consensus, meaning like it used to be mm. when I first started recruiting and let's say you were the hiring manager, I could go right to you, you and I will chat. You'll give me feedback on the candidate. I'll give that information to the candidate so he or she could do better. And then that goes throughout the whole process, keeping that open door you know, communications. And it would go much more smoothly. Doesn't mean everybody would get a job, but just the whole process was, it was more pleasant because you would, you would, you would get advice throughout the whole thing. You know where you stand, and you're not getting ghosted. And now what happens is that you need to meet with two, three, four, five, six, seven people over the course of six months and everyone has to agree. And if you just have one person who disagrees and that one person is tangentially related to the whole thing anyway, they're like, no, 
you have to start all over again. So it's like, it's not built right. It just doesn't seem to make sense why that happens. Yeah, I see folks who, and I've been involved in that, but you know, from a TA partnership Mm -hmm. perspective, like sometimes the the in-house recruiter or even the third, like we've got to be able to say, listen, is this necessary? Is, is talking to all these people necessary? And getting to the bottom of why they are, you know, ex- keep extending it, keep extending it. You know, I, I've been in those situations where they're like, well, let me see one more person. Well, let me, let, let's have them talk to Bill right. in accounting because um, when it's time to submit invoices for this project, they're going to have to email Bill. And I'm like, <laughs> It's like so not necessary, right? You have to see if they can get along. Right. It's still, it's it's because no one, it is, I think no one wants to make that decision because they don't want to make the decision. And if they're wrong, they don't want to make the the wrong decision. But yes. And and they're scared. They're scared to be that person who made the wrong decision. And they're going to point the finger at me for making that bad hire. And it's easier to say, it wasn't just person two in that bill too. So don't blame. And just messes it up and it takes forever. It does. Um, I, I try to stay far away from those. Like I get upfront, what is the interview pro- Like, what is the process? Like, how long are we going to do this? How many rounds? Like, what are the rounds? How many people are they going to talk? So it's the only thing like, they're like, oh, there's only two rounds of interviews, but that's 15 people. No, that's too many people. That's too many people. Like how many people, how many rounds are you, go- and how soon after are you going to make a decision? Like we need to know that upfront. Right. And that's not asking much out of life, right? That's, it's that's so re is very reasonable, right? Like how long is it going to take? Who am I going to meet with? Can I get yeah. a little background on who I'm going to meet with? I would even add this. Like, I think it's only fair if you are you have to disclose like who that boss is and a little bit about the person. Have they ever been written up? Have there been problems? Have they been oh. like bias cases, discrimination cases? Um, are they toxic? How many people were in that job before? Like, is it constantly yeah. rotating? I, I think, mean, I think that job seekers, I think candidates are asking those, those questions yeah. now. I, I, I love how much more educated job seekers yeah. are now than they were when I first started. Um, they used to rely on the recruiter for everything. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times they are like, they can bring information to the recruiter that the recruiter maybe, you know, didn't know. Like maybe they watched yeah. the news that morning and they're like, Hey, you guys got class action suit against you. <laughs> <Yes>. and, <laughs> yeah, we're like, yeah. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, I'll get that answer for you. Just give, give me a moment. But yeah, so I think that, that, re- that job seekers doing a lot more are, are doing a lot more and, and it's to their benefit to know who they're going to talk to, to know, like they can go on LinkedIn, they can go on, you know, an open web search and search for the person. They can go on the company's website and look up the lead, you know, look up who the leaders are, learn about them, read about them. Um, So the same way that we get to know candidates before we talk to them, I think that uh, job seekers are doing the same thing. They're getting to know the companies, they're getting to know the people uh, before they, before they engage or before they, and sometimes before they even answer your, your email or your, your first reach out, your text, your, or whatever. So, so to help people as we're winding up, um, to be a little positive, I think, well, do you have some advice 
whether you're just seeking a new job, whether you want to advance in your company, or you're just trying to pivot or reinvent yourself, any, any thoughts, what people should do, considering, as you mentioned, see, and I agree with you, it seems like a tougher market now. And it, it's not bad. It's not terrible, but it's not great. It's just, it's one of those kind of tougher ones, you know? Yeah. So what would you suggest to people from their mindset? Like what, what should, how should they think? How should they act to, to, to kind of just get through this time period? So one thing I will say is don't get discouraged mm -hmm. before you even hit apply. Uh, and we see this a lot. You know, a lot of folks are putting up stats that say, oh my goodness, 200 people applied in the past day. And you're the two, and this is, and this is how you measure up to those people. 57% have master's degrees, 37% had this number, you know, have this many years of experience, 18% went to this school. And you're like, like, don't get hung up on that. Right. Don't get hung up on that. Ignore that stuff <laughs> as, as best you it's can. It's hard for me. It's like, I, I see Ignore those numbers too. You, it's like, yeah. this is crazy. You know, a thousand people applied. So why should I yeah, bother? That's, dis that's discouraging, yeah. right? Yeah. That's discouraging. And that's not always true. That could mean yeah. that many people, you know, opened that job and mm -hmm. looked. And that doesn't mean that those 200 people are the right person. So you got to believe at 201, I'm the right person. And, and here's the reason why. And just be yourself. Tell your story. And can I tell you, can I add this about the numbers? Yeah. From I'll give you from personal experience. So I'll let's say I'll post a job on LinkedIn. And it'll be, let's say, let's turn back the clock a little bit when we're remote. Because if you put a remote yeah. job, number one, you're going to get Hundreds. thousands. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And let's say I posted something when crypto was hot. So let's say it was a crypto job, remote job, easily oh. could get a thousand plus resumes. But then when I look through all those thousand, no, no joke, maybe five look okay. Yeah. And out of those five, maybe two might be something that could kind of come close. So yeah. when you see those big numbers, as Kirsten was saying, take it with a grain of salt. These are people shooting their shots. They're just put throwing it out there because you get it hit easy apply. So it's easy to send out. Yeah. But oftentimes they're, they're not, they don't have the right, they're just sending it. They're just shooting yeah. it all over the place. So don't get discouraged. So I just want to add that because like I see this firsthand all the time. Yeah. And leverage your network and, and don't feel like mm -hmm. you only have to search for jobs on LinkedIn or you right. only have to search for jobs on Indeed or you only have to search for jobs on what, I don't, uh, whatever, uh, what's it called? Zip recruiter. Like you mm -hmm. don't only have to focus your attention yeah. on one place. Uh, go to the website, like, you know, what companies you're interested in, like, go to their what actual career site, like, you don't have to get funneled through a, a third party, you know, a third party portal, uh, go to their website, look up their competitors, you know, look up other companies in the area, no, you know, if you know what role you want, um, search and see what companies hire for that role in your area or remote, you know, or that have open remote roles. So it, it's just a matter of, of folks doing a little bit more work on the front end. And then, like I said, not getting discouraged by seeing, oh, well, this job is, you know, got already got a hundred people that applied mm -hmm. because we see that like they'll, they'll open, you'll open a job and 
in two hours, they'll be like, this trial has been open for one day and it has 1,677. I was like, yeah, calm down. (laughs) It it does it. So for people who want to reach out to you, Mm -hmm. uh, how can they get, what's the best way? Email, LinkedIn, Twitter, X, what's Facebook? Yeah, I'm like, what's it called? (laughs) I'm at Trap Recruiter everywhere. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. A lot of folks can't spell my name. So I changed my, you know, um, name on there to, it's at Trap Recruiter. So it's not at Kirsten, Gre- Kirsten Greggs because uh, people s- switch the I and the E a lot of times or they leave one out. They leave mm-hmm. the E or the I out. So at Trap Recruiter is the easiest way. Uh, I'm on all of the interwebs except for I don't really engage on, on TikTok, uh, but I, I have an Instagram, I have a LinkedIn, I have Twitter, Facebook. Um, is that it? Oh, threads. I forgot about threads. I like threads. You, is, that you still, threads? is that still happening or is it slow? Like, you know, I like it because it's smaller and I, it, see yeah? it, and I see everything I want to see. Like, I love it. I like, th- I, I feel like threads is fun right now. So for somebody who's maybe looking for a job or trying to just do something with their career, maybe because now it's a little smaller and not so crowded. Oh, no, no. I, don't something... job, I don't job seek on threads. No, no, no. Oh, is that good for job seekers though or not really? I've not even yeah, okay. attempted to find a job on threads. So I can't speak to that. Okay. I'll look into that to see because, yeah. you know, at first when it came out, it was like so hot and then, I think it came out as like an alternative to to X though. And do you know when, when is X job starting? And do you think that's really going to be a thing? I don't, I think um, it's for me, it probably wouldn't because the kind of people I recruit, their compliance, legal risk audit. Gotcha. They're not, they don't hang out on Twitter X as much on LinkedIn. Yes. On Twitter X, not so much, but for techies, I would imagine so. Yeah. You know, techies and some other areas. Yeah, probably that probably would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then, and then I guess for people reaching out to you, it would be a couple of ways that just because Kirsten looks so super confident and successful, she <laughs> is looking for other things. So if you have a job and you want to, or you just want to talk to her, see she's a fit for job, you could hit yeah, her up as well. Holler, but holler then if you. Girl. Yeah, but then also if you're looking for some advice, you could hit her up as yes. well. So, Ab- no, absolutely. so she's open. And as you absolutely. can tell, she's smart. She knows what she's talking about. She's grounded down to earth. That's good, practical, smart advice. So yeah. So, you know, you, she's a great addition to your network. So f- definitely get in touch with her. And hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I think this was great. And I love how you're just so open and honest. And I think by doing that, I think will help other people too, who were scared to kind of come out, if you will, and yeah. say, Hey, like I'm, I don't have a job or I'm scared of losing my job and just be honest and talk about it. Cause that's, that's, that's going to, that's going to help so many people by just putting it out there so others could help. So, yeah, so absolutely. thank you so much for your great advice and guidance. Uh, a lot of people, I think is, a lot of people are going to benefit from that. Kirsten. Thank you so, so thank much you. for having me. Well, my pleasure. My place. And, and I just want to give a shout out to what we talked about, how we first met with, you know, Mark Anthony Dyson. I wanted to make sure yes. I gave him a full His entire <laughs> name. <shout out>. Yes. <laughs> Not just say Mark. You're like, who's Mark? The guy, so Mark in, the cool hat. The guy yeah. in the cool hat. I actually met him just last week in person. Did he have a hat on? 
No, actually. He didn't have his fedora. Oh, wow. He didn't have his signature fedora. And I got to tell you, you know what's so weird? He's a, not, he's a really sweet, lovely guy. And I got to tell you, in yeah. person, even more so. It's yeah, so I've never, I haven't met him in real life yet. Yeah, it's so weird how you see somebody and you're friends with them online mm -hmm. and then you like them, but then you meet him personally. Oh my God, why can't he live where I live? Like he's such a, like <laughs> such a, do you ever have that? Like, oh yeah, it's a bummer. Yes. Like he's in Chicago. Yes. Why can't you be here? He's such a nice guy. It would be great to hang out. To so, all my friend, all my HR friends in yeah. Minnesota, that's how I feel about them. I, yeah. I met I met a lot of them for the first time in a few months ago, I think March. And I was like, is everybody here awesome? Like, is everybody here great? Like, I love it. Every single one of them. Yeah. Now, is that because like, when you get that human in person, you know, like you yeah. remember what it used to be like to have that. You're like, oh, this is a great feeling. True, true, yeah. true, true. It is well, a great feeling. But yeah, well, so Mark Anthony Dyson, <laughs> um, when are when are you going to come to close to the area where I am so that we can meet in real life too? Because now I feel jealous. I okay. Mean, wait, wait, so where are you? Where are you where are you based? Northern Virginia. Uh, oh, outside right, of right. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, perfect. All right. So so he'll, he'll come knock on your door. Say hi. Oh no, yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little creepy, huh? Yeah, but you know, maybe if he's if I, you know, if he's close to New Jersey, Philadelphia, yeah. you know, I might go, you know, go home and stay with my parents. Or if he comes to DC or goes to Baltimore, you know, there you go. Right, Perfect. I can make it happen. I can make it happen. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for thank your time you. and all the great advice, Kirsten. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.